This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Ron Gachet, a winner of nearly $70,000 in his high stakes career with the FFPC. In this episode, we discuss the impact that the new faces in the Chiefs offense will have on Kareem Hunt, the unleashing of Trey Burton's talent in Chicago, and how many catches Keenan Allen could have without Hunter Henry this season. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's $70,000 high stakes winner, Ron Gachet. Ron, tell the, uh, tell the listeners, the Rotoviz listeners, that when you are not playing uh, fantasy football, what are you doing for a living? So I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney for about 30 years, and uh, I do a lot of litigation. So I'm uh, always doing battle in the courtroom uh, pretty much uh, most of my business day. Do you, so you spend a lot of time in the courtroom then? I do, I do, uh, and a lot of time. I'm also the managing partner in my law firm, so I do a lot of law firm management. I have about 40 lawyers in my firm, so between managing the firm and um, handling some of my litigation files uh, keeps me pretty busy. So most of my time on fantasy football is done uh, in the evening when I get home. Um, I spend about an hour usually jumping on the computer just trying to see what the day's news was, and um, when we get closer to waiver wire time, I spend a little more time on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Well, and, and the waiver wire time that you put in last year obviously paid off for you uh, in the high and the FFPC High Society, our, our ten thousand uh, dollar entry fee league. You came up just short, runner up to uh, Darren Summers, uh, Royale with Cheese, Darren Summer, who's actually been on the show before. Uh, I'm curious in a league like that. And I, and I just mentioned you and Darren, but there's a ton of other really talented uh, fantasy football players. But in a league like that with so many heavy hitters, how, how are you able to, or is it just impossible, to find value in a draft like that? Yeah, the guys that, um, that compete at this level are so good. And, I, and I, always, I often wonder whether, you know, they're able to put in even more time than I can put in. I mean, they... I don't know what everybody else does, you know, during their free time and during their business day, but I'm I'm always concerned that I'm not putting in enough time, no matter how many hours I put in. Um, the guys are real quality competitors, and um, so to find some value, you know what? You just to me, you just got to hit on one or two really good guys that everybody else either just missed, or you just grabbed them up before that other two or three guys in your league who had them you know zeroed in on as well that they just missed out and we're all going to get one or two guys that we definitely have uh you know keyed in on and it just it's just a matter of hitting on one or two guys that that you've zeroed in on that even if the other guys wanted them you happen to get them they can win a league for you uh, in between picks, uh, Ron, in that high society draft, which are actually in again uh, this coming September at, at Planet Hollywood uh, out in Las Vegas, um, 
how many players are you trying to have in mind as the you know as the clock gets closer to you you know is it are you trying to get um you know four guys in mind when it's four picks away five is it as simple as that or are you zeroing in on like two or three players that you want to make sure uh that you're dialed in and picking the best uh, out of those two or three because i know in this league you know, people always talk about getting sniped in the football guys players championship or the main event, but like it, the talent gets picked off like one by one in this league. There's, there's almost no sleepers. There's almost no value. So when, how do you avoid when it gets to you and you get that, you get on the clock and you're like, oh man, all the guys I was just hoping for, they're all off the board now. How do you prepare so that doesn't happen for you? So usually if I'm really keyed on a guy or two, I'm just going to take them a round or two earlier. That's all you really can do. I I, I do a lot of mock drafting uh, starting around, uh, I would say, the beginning of August, middle of August. I I really start mock drafting a lot. And I have a feel where I think people are going to go. Now, those mocks, you know, they're not going to be all high-stakes players. And so I have to do a little... Um, extrapolation, and I have to decide, well, if the public is taking those guys at this round, I'm going to have to take that guy in the high-stakes draft at this round, and if I really want him, I'm going to take him in a round earlier. Also, last few years, I've been pretty lucky. Um, I I won the big payback two years ago, and I came in second in high society last year, and the reason both of those years, I think I was picking out of the sixth spot, and picking out of the sixth spot, you know, you really can get players a little easier than if you're picking at one or two or you're picking at 11 or 12 because of the time in between picks. So I don't normally have to have a ton of guys in my queue. Um, when, I, when you pick out of the middle, you can probably have three or four guys, and you're probably going to get one of those guys when you're picking through the middle. And that said, I still have my rankings. I still have my cheat sheets. And if I do get sniped and there's just simply nobody left in my queue, I'll just go to my sheet. I'll look at the next best player coming up that hasn't been taken. And if I've got my rankings in pretty good order, I usually can can depend on um, depend on my pre-draft work because, you know, you only get a minute and that clock goes fast. Yeah, and I think the, the best advice that you can give is, is just basically don't panic. You know, if, if you right. get to that spot when – the, you know the three guys you were hoping for they all they go off the board with the three picks right before you just take a deep breath go to your rankings and and relax and and get another guy you like because there there's out there's still you know some value out there there's still some guys that are going to be available um to uh to help uh, your team for the the course of the entire season what you don't want to do is get flustered, get frustrated, and then make a pick that you don't have, you know, don't like at all, and then you end up regretting that for the next few months. Right. If if this guy's in your rankings and you're in the first six or seven rounds, and and you really liked him because you ranked him high, then don't worry about taking him. He may not seem like the right guy at that right time because you really wanted, let's say, a wide receiver at that spot, but your rankings say take, you know, take a tight end or take a running back. Then then you do that um, and you, you live with it and. As I was saying earlier, you know, you just you just have to hit on one or two guys, not your top three, not your top two or three rounds, but I'm talking about your mid-level guys. You hit on one or two of those guys, and you can you can definitely win a league. You, you don't have to hit 100% on every single player. You just don't. And every and I know people put pressure on themselves to feel like every pick has to be the perfect pick. And now that I've played as many years as I have, 
I realized that you don't have to have a ton of perfect picks. You just have to have really good first few, and then you got to hit on one or two in those mid to five to ten, no, rounds five to ten. That, that really does it. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, a, a big um, misconception about, you know, the FPC and, and the main event, these these contests with thousands of teams in it, you look at the teams that win the whole thing, that beat out thousands of teams every single year, it's not like they had perfect drafts. They didn't make perfect uh, lineup submissions week to week. They didn't make perfect um, blind bidding choices. You know, they, they everybody makes, literally everybody makes plenty of mistakes throughout the year. You're never going to have a perfect season. And if you try for that and you think you need to do that in order to win a six-figure prize, you don't. Uh, and, you know, clearly you coming from uh, the experience of winning the big payback at the FFPC a couple years ago, coming in second in the high society, beating, you know, some of the most talented players that, that are in the FFPC, you know, too, you made plenty of mistakes in, you know, in not only the draft, but throughout the course of the season. But again, if you hit on those players, uh, you know, just a couple of them, you can really make a big difference. And one of those players you didn't necessarily hit on because he was a first round pick when you picked him in high society last year, but Kareem Hunt, uh, was obviously, I mean, he was going at, in Vegas uh, as the number one overall pick in, in some of these drafts uh, that drafted after that Thursday night game. Uh, and he was key in your runner-up campaign in the high society in 2017. How do you see his numbers, Ron, changing this season now that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the quarterback uh, playing ahead of him? And then Sammy Watkins uh, on the outside, no Alex Smith this year. Uh, you know, it'll be Mahomes. But how do you see Hunt's numbers changing or don't you see them changing? Yeah, he's interesting to me. I mean, I, I will tell you, last year I was a little bit of a prisoner of the moment that I got to pick, you know, after he had had his breakout game. And I think in, in high society I actually picked fourth last year, and there were like there were the, there were the top three that everybody had to have. And then Hunt was sitting there, and I uh, I kind of did an analysis of well, I'm going to get a ton of points for the first night uh, or for the first week. Um, I'm going to get myself what looks like a starting running back. Um, Given the um, you know the injury that they had, uh, I think it was um, Spencer Ware went down, and um, so I, he filled a lot of roles. But with Alex Smith as the quarterback, you know defenses still had to be a little concerned about the passing game. With Mahomes, you know he's a unknown quantity, and Watkins didn't exactly impress everybody last year in his short time at. At the Rams, so I don't know what to expect from Hunt, um, but I'll tell you if he's available in the second round, and I need a second running back or maybe early third, and nobody's high on him, he's certainly worth looking at. I just don't know if he's a guy that I would take fourth again um, without a, a stat line like he had last year. So I'd, I'd be cautious, but. You know, if Mahomes is the player that they think he's going to be there and he can threaten defenses, then I do like Kareem. He does he does bring that pass catching ability, which is always something in a in a PPR league that you can't uh, you can't ignore. Yeah, and he's working on. We we saw a report last week that he's working on it even more in OTAs, so that Kansas City definitely wants to make him a, even more of a. Uh... Uh, of a valuable weapon in space this year, catching more passes. That's always good, and that's what we want to hear. Given that the uh, FFPC is a tight end premium format, I think one of the more compelling guys to pay attention to uh, as far as where he's being drafted this summer is the Bears' new tight end, Trey Burton. Uh, he was actually your Zach Ertz insurance in the high stakes, uh, in the high stakes, in the high society last year. Um, 
but what would what or what would you recommend fantasy owners be expecting from Trey Burton now that he should be the man for the Bears going forward? Yeah, I love this guy. A um, uh, bit of disclosure: I'm a uh, University of Florida grad, and um, he's a Gator, so I definitely have followed his career. Um, but more than that, I, I know that he's got a, a good skill set. You know, you're playing behind Zach Ertz, so you're not going to get a lot of play. But when he was in there, he delivered. If you if you remember, um, when they needed him, uh, he was you know he was solid. And I don't think the Bears have much else at that position. And I am actually uh, a Trubisky fan this year. I think that guy is going to take a big step forward. So um, I'm 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 bullish on Burton, and um, if I can get the right value on Trey Burton, he could end up being my starting tight end for sure. What do you think? Uh, if I laid it out for you, the percentage chance that he is a top ten tight end this year? If I was to ask you that, what what what's how good is his? I mean, is it better than fifty fifty? What would you put it at? for Burton finishing among the top 10 tight ends in the FFPC? So I'm, I'm thinking on just volume alone. I think that Chicago, you know, I, I think with John Fox out of there, you know, everything is up for grabs now. We could be seeing a whole new kind of offense in, uh, in Chicago. And with guys like Hunter Henry going down and, you know, Jason Witten retiring, um, wide receiver becoming more and more valuable and being drafted in some places where you wouldn't expect wide receivers to be drafted. I think people are going to forget about some of the tight ends that are going to be available. Gronkowski is, you know, he's Gronk and who knows how that's going to shake out. But I do think that Trey Burton by year's end on sheer volume alone, I think he could crack the top 10. And again, that's why I like him and especially later in my draft, I think that a guy like Burton, I can pick up, you know, in maybe round six or seven. And to me, if I get my starting tight end who's going to deliver in round six or seven and I fill up with my running backs and receivers before that, I'll be ecstatic because in years past, I've always had to jump on a tight end in these leagues in the third or fourth round just because they go so fast and you fear that, um, you know, you're not going to get a quality tight end. So, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this podcast. I don't know how many players are going to be feeling the same way I feel about about Burton, but he's definitely somebody I've had circled since I, the trade was announced, or I don't know if he, whether he was a free agent signing, I guess. Um, he was definitely on my radar. Yeah, and there are a, a good number of, of Trey, Bort, uh, Trey Burton supporters out there, uh, and it only takes one to draft them, too. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is is if he does make any – plays in the preseason you know and, and gets a couple of touchdowns or if uh, it seems like Trubisky's targeting a lot now, now all of a sudden you know instead of getting him in like round six or seven you might have to pay a, a higher price tag and I don't even know if you'd be willing to pay you know like if, if he ends up shooting up to the early fifth late fourth round if, if he looks good in preseason and looks like a, the type of guy who could maybe catch 65 70 passes in that offense I don't know if you'd be willing to pay that price tag but that's a guy to watch um, these guys rookies and then players who move from team to team. The preseason, as far as ADP goes and where he, what you have to pay, it's so important to these guys, and, it, and that's sort of going to dictate where he goes in drafts uh, this season for, uh, for sure. But I'm with you. I, I like Trey Burton quite a bit this year. I want to talk to you about something, Ron, that, that seemingly, you know, since I've started the high-stakes fantasy football hour and, and now the, the high-stakes lowdown on Rotoviz, I ask this question quite a bit, and it's something I still struggle with. Um, myself in, in my own private leagues. 
the waiver wire is big in fantasy leagues. It's big in high stakes leagues. It's it's huge in a league like the high society. Um, did you feel that you needed to make your waiver claims and your and your bids uh, and, and pit, try to pick up players two weeks in advance, three weeks in advance before you know they were a thing? Uh, you obviously need to pick them up before they get hot because if if a player has a big week and he's sitting on the waiver wire in the high society, he's going to go for several hundred, uh, you know, sometimes more than six, seven hundred dollars of that thousand dollar blind bidding budget. Do you feel like when you're in these leagues that you got to be thinking that far ahead uh, to stay ahead of the curve in, in order to remain as competitive as possible? So my, you know, my thinking on the, on the waiver wire, when I'm playing in high society or big payback, um, I'm not going to be outsmarting almost, you know, any of those other guys, and I'm hoping they're not outsmarting me. We're all reading the same stuff, and we're all taking a look at the same guys. And so um, some of it comes down to luck in terms of you just getting that bid that's just a, sometimes a few dollars more than the other guy once we've all zeroed in on the same guy. But personally, I don't necessarily think I have to be making a move every week or that I have to be two and three weeks out on some guy. Most of my waiver wire stuff is dictated by injuries, and I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, looking for people in a in a in a um, you know for need. I'm going to be looking for people where if I'm down to let's say you know one tight end left because I lost my second tight end, I'm going to be targeting tight ends whether anybody else is targeting them or not. Or if I'm down you know, a running back or two, I'm going to have to try to grab somebody who's in a third string role right now and just kind of hope, or maybe a third down back who's getting, you know, maybe four or five catches a game, but nobody seems to be looking at that guy. So a lot of my waiver wire stuff is by need. Um, That's how it's driven. Every so often I will, you know, try to zero in on someone and take a flyer. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I know, you know, there's been years where I definitely grabbed up somebody um, who wasn't even playing yet. I, I think I was. I, I think one of the guys I grabbed up in his early days was Hunter Henry. Um, he wasn't even drafted uh, in my draft in the first year that he came on. Gates was solid in that role, and I had um, lost a tight end, and I knew Gates was getting a little older, and I picked up Hunter Henry, and lo and behold, he started to produce later in the year. Gates got an injury. So sometimes I'll just mess around and I'll pick up a guy for a few bucks that's not even playing yet. But, but other than that, um, it's really driven for me uh, by injury. And I, I'm not trying to outsmart anybody because I know how smart the guys are that I'm playing with. Yeah, it's tough. I don't think, like you said, I don't think anybody's outsmarting anybody in that league. They're, they're, uh, they're all uh, very, very, uh, very, very good uh, fantasy players. You mentioned Hunter Henry. Let's talk about the Chargers here for a second because um, – they decided not to sign it or thus far they have decided not to re-sign Antonio Gates. Hunter Henry obviously is out for the season. Um, but does this mean that maybe rather than looking for the, the, the magic bullet at tight end for our fantasy leagues, maybe the answer to these missing targets, are they going to simply go to a guy like Keenan Allen, who's been a massive target hog in the past? We've seen what he's capable of. Um, you know, if, if he could just stay healthy, which he did last year, 
Um, what are the chances that we could see without Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates out there? Could we see a 130-plus catch season from Keenan Allen and he finally holds up this pace that he's been keeping up uh, in the past that, you know, before he, the injuries derail him? What do you think about Keenan Allen in 2018 having a monster year? Yeah, you can't ever go wrong with a Keenan Allen on your team. I know people say, you know, injury prone, but, you know, I mean, the guy had like a lacerated kidney or something, you yep. know, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that was one injury. You're not going to you're not going to see something like that uh, more than once in, you know, in a you know, in a whole season of all the players. So, I mean, that that to me was a one off. And then, you know, I guess he did have a knee injury at some point, but that guy is a player. And, and when Phil Rivers locks in on somebody, you know, that's the guy to have. Now, that said, if he starts to become, you know, quite a target hog, he's going to see a lot of double coverage. And so I don't know about 130 catches. That seems to be quite ambitious. But you can never go wrong with that guy. And some I've seen some leagues where you can get him as your second receiver. Like, you can get him in the second and third round after you've already taken a receiver before that, and he would be a super, super second receiver you know, but if you're coming, you know, there's guys that'll still take the A.J. Greens and the Odell Beckhams and those guys ahead of Keenan Allen just for name value, if nothing else. But um, I love Allen. I had Allen last year on one or two teams at least, and I think I had him in my home league, and um, he was tremendous for me. And uh, I was very happy every week. I never had to worry about him. You know, it's kind of like putting Antonio Brown on your team. It's just you have to give up such a higher draft pick for Antonio Brown. I don't I'll be interested to see where Keenan Allen starts to go in the mocks and uh, maybe some of the earlier high-stakes drafts. I'm curious. So if you were faced with a decision of Keenan Allen or Odell Beckham, you would you would draft Allen before Beckham this year? Um, if, you were to, if I were to draft today, I think I'd take Odell Beckham still. I think he's just more talented. And with the addition of Saquon Barkley um, and, and a little bit of help on that offensive line, I think Eli Manning is actually, you know, due for a little bit of a bounce back this year. His team was so bad last year, and he had no threat of a run that, that nobody cared what was in the backfield. They were just rushing the passer. And if Barkley is anything like people have chalked him up to be, and again, we don't know about that yet, and there's a lot of hype, and, and I'm not a Barkley guy this year. I'm not going to be drafting him. But if he does give the Giants that kind of um, – if, if he gives them that kind of threat – then I think Beckham could be back to, you know, some of his pre-injury uh, form. I mean, I think he can be that good. So I like Beckham. You know, I like Antonio Brown, obviously, and I like um, some of those superstar receivers. So for me, I want Keenan Allen after I've already picked up my number one receiver. If I can't get Keenan Allen, um, you know, as my number two, I'm probably not going to have him on my team. I'm I'm curious, Ron, when when you talk about Barkley, uh, you know, and, and that you won't be drafting him this year, is that just because I mean he's basically carrying a mid first round price tag right now and you don't want to invest that premium of a pick into a rookie? Or would you look at other you know, rookie I think about the end of the, the fourth, early fifth round, that's where you can get guys like other rookies like Rashad Penny, uh, Ronald Jones, um uh Sony Michelle, they're all going in that area. So you you're still paying a premium pick, but basically, if you're drafting those guys in the fourth or fifth, you already have three or four guys on your roster. Would you be willing to use a fourth or fifth round pick on a rookie running back this year? Yes, yeah, for sure. So there's a few running backs that I think are in great spots. And as far as Barkley's concerned, you're right. I don't want to use a first round pick on Barkley. I just 
that that's the reason. I think he's super talented. I just don't want to use um, a pick there when there's a couple of running backs that I you know that have been around for a while that I really do love, and a couple of receivers that I think are going to be great. So um, I'm going to be faced with that decision depending where I pick. If I pick anywhere in the top six picks, I'm already in on you know somebody that I already like that I've got targeted in terms of a running back or a receiver. And if I'm in the second six picks, then that's where Barkley's going to show up. And there's just other guys I'd rather have right now instead of an unknown rookie. Um, as far as the other running backs, I think Ronald Jones is in a great spot. Um, I live in Florida. Um, I actually have an office in uh, South Florida and in Tampa. So I go back and forth. And when I'm in Tampa, I try to catch some Tampa Bay games. I also try to hear them on the radio and hear their sports talk. Um, their running back position was kind of a disaster. And I know they have Peyton Barber, I guess it is, but I think Ronald Jones is going to get a lot of playing time. And that's a guy that, you know, in the fourth and fifth round by game four or five or six, I mean, that guy could be getting the load. So I, I like Ronald Jones. I'm interested in the guy in Detroit too. I think it's uh carry on Johnson, right? Sure, he's, yes. He's an Auburn guy. And I'm, you know, like I said, I follow Florida football. I'm an SEC guy. He was pretty good at Auburn, and the Detroit running game was also a mess. I know they have Blunt, I think, this year. Yep. So, you know, but he's old, and, you know, no one's ever worried about LeGarrette Blunt, you know, stealing a ton of carries from somebody who might be on the cusp of becoming, you know, really good. So I think they're going to give Johnson his share there. So I like Johnson, and um, I like, I like, like I said, Jones, and there's probably a couple other. Uh, Darius Geis is in a good spot, right? I mean, the Redskins, I'm not sure what they've got going on there. So Geis has got as good a chance as anybody else to get some play. And Sony Michelle is just, in, you know, the New England backfield issue is the New England backfield issue. But we've now pretty much seen where Burkhead slides in. He was on two of my three winning teams last year, and I, I was so happy with that guy. The only reason I ended up losing, just side note last year, I lost Burkhead at the playoff time in the high society and my opponent had Todd Gurley who, you know, those were the two weeks where we did the two week combined playoffs where Gurley went for like 50 points one week and something else. I mean, I know he had a good season, but he really went off on the two weeks in the, in the, uh, in the championship rounds of the high society and I had lost Burkhead. So it was really unfortunate, but we know where Burkhead is there and they have Sony Michelle. And I guess they have James White who's, you know, any given any given week, the playbook could be to give him 10 catches. But Sonny Michelle's in a good spot, too. So there's a lot of rookie running backs that you can focus in on and not have to spend such high draft capital on, uh, on a Saquon Barkley. When, you know, as long as we're, you know, you touched on it with the Buccaneers, I'm curious. This is something that, that I've been, um, you know, trying to figure out myself, and maybe I'll have to watch some preseason to, to really put my finger on it. But, do you see that as far as the Tampa Bay backfield situation goes, do you see it as maybe like a split to start the season between Barber and Jones, but then by the time we get to you know early to mid-October that Jones is pulling away and, and really not making it a, a committee approach anymore? So like if you draft Jones, maybe weather the storm the first few weeks because his, his role is going to increase as he gets more comfortable in the offense? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said before, a lot of what, a lot of what the – public does in terms of the fantasy players is what they see in preseason because that's where all the hype comes right the guy has a preseason game that's off the charts and now you're paying up for a ronald jones because he's probably going to get more run in the preseason than peyton barber will because peyton barber's least slotted in now as their starter um 
I almost hope that Peyton, or sorry, that uh, Ronald Jones is a little more pedestrian in the in the preseason because we've seen him at USC. I mean, we know what he can do. So I have, you know, I, I always hope guys that I'm zeroed in on don't really have spectacular preseasons. I don't need everybody else just being a prisoner of the moment and drafting the guy from what they saw because he got two touchdowns, you know, in, in game number three, and then all of a sudden that's all they remember, uh, you know, preseason game three. So what I'm hoping for and what I think, we're going to see is you're going to see Peyton Barber start, but I think we know what we have in Peyton Barber. Didn't right. he play a lot last year? And I, you know, they, they, they just didn't impress. And Ronald Jones at least has a shot. Now, look, some of these rookies can end up being a bust. And if the, if Ronald Jones doesn't work out and you took a flyer on him, you know, that's part of the imperfect draft, you know, that that's going to happen at times. But He's a guy that I happen to think has potential in a situation where he could get on the field sooner than later. Yeah, I like Jones quite a bit this year, too. And, and you think about what, okay, Peyton Barber did look all right at the end of last season. But the fact that the Bucks got to see that up close firsthand and they still went out and drafted Ronald Jones early in the second round, to me, not only... Uh, it's pretty obvious what they think about Peyton Barber by that draft pick. It's also pretty obvious that even if Jones scuffles a little bit, he is going to get that leash given, you know, what the Bucks had to spend, you know, a high second round pick to get him on their team. So he's going to get a lot of opportunities this year. As long as we're talking about running backs, let's talk about the running back situation in Tennessee. They add Deion Lewis in free agency. And I'm curious, you know, knowing that Deion Lewis has been a prolific pass catcher in, uh, in the past, is there a good chance that Derrick Henry actually busts with a lack of access to those targets in that Tennessee passing game. Right now he's being chosen in like third or fourth round of, of, of FFPC drafts. I'm wondering if he might bust out if he's not going to get those catches, if Lewis is going to scoop them all up. Yeah, you're talking to a guy who's drafted Derrick Henry every year for the last, I don't know, <laughs> two, three years. And I've always had, I mean, Every so often I've had DeMarco Murray also, but i also been drafting Derrick Henry just waiting for DeMarco Murray to get hurt. I'm, I'm one of those guys who thinks that Derrick Henry, again, not mistaken, uh, SEC guy, right, mm -hmm. Alabama maybe, and I, I just loved his career. I thought he was really good, and I just said, God, just give this guy the ball more. Just give him a chance. And when I saw you know, DeMarco leave the team, I was like, wow, okay, this is it. This is the opportunity for Derrick Henry. And then they go and they – they signed Deion Lewis. So here's my thinking on, on, uh, on Derrick Henry. I'm still, I'm still uh, intrigued by Derrick Henry, um, and I agree with you, though. He's going to lose third down work to, to Deion Lewis. There's no question that's why they got him there. And then the issue becomes, can you win a league with a guy who's not you know, a big third down player for you? And he doesn't catch a lot of passes. And you can if you know what you're drafting. If you know you're drafting Derrick Henry to get you the touchdowns, if you know you're drafting Derrick Henry to get you, you know, 100 yards a week on 20 carries, um, then, okay, so he catches one or two screen passes. I mean, and that's going to be about it. So I don't know that I would say he's due to be a bust without his catches because the other guy you're going to draft is going to be a pass catching back because Derrick Henry's not going to be your RB1. And so, you know, you pick up a Le'Veon Bell and then you scoop up a Derrick Henry two rounds later, if that's where he's going, or three rounds later, you know what you're getting. You're going to get the yards and the touchdowns out of that guy. You're going to get the catches out of your RB1 because that's, you know, how you planned your draft. And then maybe you're going to pick up a wide receiver or two that are target hogs, right? They're going to get 
all those PPR points. Because remember, Eric, it doesn't really matter where the points come from. It's just what's your total at the end of the week. That's right. So if I'm getting, you know, if I'm getting 20, 30 catches from my receiver slash RB1 together, and Derrick Henry's not really giving me those catches, but he's giving me a touchdown a game, or he's giving me a, you know, a three quarters of a touchdown a game at the end of the year, I'm okay with that. I think I can win with, uh, I think I can win with that kind of a setup. You, uh, as I touched on earlier, you're a veteran of the main event, big payback, high society, done very well in all three of those competitions in the FFPC. What's the biggest challenge maybe that you faced in the past or that you continue to face annually uh, in trying to win those leagues year after year, the, the, the biggest obstacle for you uh, in order to, uh, to achieve greatness, Ron? Hmm. Well, um, obviously it's, Number one, you you got to do your research. Um, you've got to prepare for your drafts. Um, for high society and big payback, these this is a lot of money for most of us who are um, investing in those kinds of leagues. And so those guys are going to be ready. They're going to they're going to put their time in and their effort. Um, I've noticed that in the in the main event, I think it's about a you know a seventeen eighteen hundred dollar commitment. Um, sometimes that's just kind of luck of the draw. So, and what I mean by that is, whereas the, the players in the high society and the big payback, you know you're going to get, you know, 11 other solid, solid fantasy players. In, in the main event, um, sometimes you'll get guys taking their first shot at it. Sometimes you'll get guys who they lose a few games early in the season. Maybe they're not giving you as much effort as, you know, the other guys are going to give you. Um, and so, and then sometimes I get in the main event and the guys in the main event are making the exact same moves that the high society guys are making. So it just, you know, with, with thousands of players and I only am randomly, you know, put with 11 other teams in the main event, um, you might get some new first time players and you might get some real, real savvy veterans. So that to me is kind of luck of the draw. And, and sometimes I hope that, you know, I'm at least a week or two ahead in making some picks or a round or two better than some of those guys in my draft doesn't always work out that way. I haven't been as successful in that event. I've, I've won my league once or twice, but I've never been able to actually, or, or finished first in the season, you know, but never actually been able to kind of get home the championship in, in, in my league. So um, I haven't had as much success in the main event, but um, as far as, as far as the high society, the, the challenge there is just, you know, stay, stay committed, stay focused, um, I, I qualified last year in the sixth spot. Um, you know, six teams make the playoff, and I had to win my last three games to qualify in the sixth spot. And then I went ahead and made it all the way to the Super Bowl game um, in that league. So you never know. You never know. So the biggest challenge is, is staying committed, keep doing the work, don't give up. Yeah, good advice, uh, not, a, not even just in fantasy football, but in life in general, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, it has been a, a pleasure uh, talking fantasy football with you here, Ron. Uh, I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, one last question. Uh, I know it's it's June. We you know we haven't hit training camp yet. We we got some early inkling stuff on on OTAs of of uh, you know players what we think they're going to be this season. But there's still a lot of lack of information out there. So given what you know now, a guy that you think is, is probably going to be an early round uh, dra draft bust in FFPC leagues, first round, early round, whatever you want to do there. Uh, and then another um, 
not maybe not necessarily rookie, but a guy, a, a younger player, a sleeper that uh, you can get in the mid to late rounds uh, that that's actually going to have a great 2018 season. Huh. Well, uh, let's see. Put me on the spot. Um, one guy that I'm not too keen on, um, and I think he's going to get drafted high because he's going to a team that is going to have such hype around it, and that's um, Brandon Cooks on the Rams. I'm not a, I'm not sold on that guy yet. I know in New England, I'm sorry, New Orleans, that was a perfect spot for him and a perfect quarterback for him. He had the, you know, they were indoors with Drew Brees, who could hit anybody anywhere. Um, he used his blazing speed, but. But, you know, he's playing with the Rams now. Everything really focuses around Todd Gurley. They've got other good players. I love Cooper Cup, and, um, you know, Robert Woods was totally solid before he got hurt. He was on two of my teams last year and really helped me a lot. Um, so I don't know how Brandon Cooks is going to fit in in L.A., and I have a feeling that he's, he's always like a top three-round receiver. So I, I'd be a little bit careful. I mean, Sammy Watkins wasn't able to really prosper in that offense, and – so Brandon might be somebody I'd, I'd – and I'd also be a little – I'm also a little concerned about Jarek McKinnon. He, everybody – I hear a lot of – you know, there's hype now. The Niners are going to the Super Bowl, you know, that kind of thing, because Jimmy G is the quarterback, right? <laughs> so if the Niners are going to the Super Bowl, then the running back must – you know, going to be a stud. So I just don't know how durable the guy is. I don't know if he's a 20-carry guy. I don't know what else they're going to do. They got rid of Carlos Hyde. So I think McKinnon's going to get overdrafted, if I had to guess, just because of the premium on running backs, right? Everybody's going to be – jumping on running backs early, so I'm a little concerned about that guy. And as far as somebody who might break out this year, well, we already talked about Ronald Jones. He'd be somebody that um, I definitely feel is a younger player that might be in a good spot. Um, If I had to think, um, let's see. We talked about Sony Michelle. He's another one that that could surprise a lot of people. I know you um, like, like Geis's uh, spot in Washington as and, well. And I do. I do like Geis's spot in Washington. Um, oh, I, I really – I live down here in South Florida. And I think Kenyon Drake is a guy that they're going to turn the reins over to. Um, I don't know. Do you remember how he started to come on the scene last year? Sure. And I, I like – you know, I like the coach, and um, I like the offense that they're going to try to put in. I think I read an article somewhere – that the Dolphins are a team that um, are going to try to score, you know, 25 points a game, if I was reading the article correctly. I mean, they're really going to try to be more of a juggernaut this year with their speed. You know, I think they put Albert Wilson on that team, and they've got Drake, and they've got, you know, they've got some burners. And uh, so Drake's a guy. He's young, and I like him, and I think you can get him a little later. People don't really draft Dolphins that high. It's like kind of like drafting buffalo bills you know they just they don't happen them <laughs> so yeah so i think there's a guy you can keep your eye on for sure you know the other great thing about drake too is is um i read um a blurb and i can't remember where i saw it but uh it was one of the coaches in miami said that uh drake is going to be competing with uh frank gore for touches there and and that and that's the type of news i want to <laughs> see if i want drake because i am not at all concerned about Frank Gore, you know, the I, I understand he's ageless and everything like that, but I'm not at all worried about him being the more prolific guy that you want on the field over a, a much younger Kenyon Drake who had a, you know, really went crazy the last few weeks of uh, the 2017 season. So maybe that news will knock Drake down a little bit and, and I might be able to mm-hmm. get a little bit of a value on him. 
um, because I, I think that you're right. Uh, the, the, the Dolphins definitely want to put up numbers there this year. And if they do, uh, Kenyon Drake will certainly be a big part of it. You are certainly a big part of this show, this episode for the High Stakes Lowdown, Ron. I really appreciate uh, you coming uh, on this week and, and uh, spitting some science with the uh, FFPC uh, Fantasy Football Draft Strategy. I wish you nothing but the uh, best of luck in all your leagues this year, and I will see you uh, out at Planet Hollywood this September. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to getting back to Vegas and getting the draft. Last year I was stuck in a hurricane in Florida right during the draft, and I actually didn't make it, and it was uh, really bummed me out because I really look forward to your drafts. You guys do a great job out there, and I uh, can't wait to get back. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the kind words, and fingers crossed that we have uh, clear skies in early yeah, September everywhere for sure. uh, so you can get out there. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Okay, take care. I'll call anytime. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast.